This is the ERP Advisor. Today's episode, what to really expect before, during, and after your ERP go live. Thank you for joining us for our webinar today. Sean Wendell is one of our speakers for today. Sean is the founder and managing principal of ERP Advisors Group based in Denver, Colorado. Sean has over 25 years of experience in the enterprise software industry, helping hundreds of clients across many industries with selecting and implementing a wide variety of enterprise solutions. His podcast, The ERP Advisor, has dozens of episodes with thousands of downloads and is featured on prominent podcast platforms such as Apple and Spotify. On today's call, Sean will discuss what to really expect before, during, and after your ERP go live cutover. Hi, Sean. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, you bet. Thank you too, as always, Rebecca, for putting everything together. And of course, these are it's a busy day for us. Yes, it is. Let's do it. Well, well, we're going to jump right in. Go live implementations. They can be one of the most difficult tasks a company can confront, and we've seen it time and time again cause problems. but so much more goes into just the planning and preparing and the executing. And then after the fact that I think people don't really talk about or aren't really, really aware of. Yeah. So with that, we'll just kick off. Um, in your experience, what are the biggest misconceptions that clients have about their ERP implementation? Yeah, we're, we're really highlighting that word misconceptions. Because yes. <laughs> there's so many. There's so <laughs> many. It's crazy. Um. I think there's uh, we we actually just did the, a CPE where we talked about some of them, mm-hmm. so um, we cover a lot there. But but I'll, just for the the listeners here and for those that are watching us, um, probably three that I can think of. So and like really 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 big ones. The first one is that um, you are paying an implementation partner who will totally take care of you. Mm-hmm. The second one is. Um, your people are um, available to do what they need to do. And then the third one is that if you don't hit your ideal scene in phase one, you have a failure. Mm. So those are the three. So the first one, um, implementation partners, you know, when you take your car to a mechanic, you drop off the car, doesn't work, fix it, please, and please do a good job, right? And you want to pay them well, and the car works, and you drive off, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe you go to the doctor, and there's something wrong with your body, and you take in your body, you're like, okay, fix the body, and the doctor fixes it. Not really. Usually, there's a little bit more you have to do yeah. with that, right? Well, the ERP is like 10 times more than taking in the body, because mm-hmm. you're automating your business processes, they're right. yours. And those are very, very unique. Oh, we want best practices, no customizations. I mean, how many times have I heard that? And that's true. But what if you actually, which you do, have unique business uh, requirements mm-hmm. that do require something very different to be done in the software? Yeah. Well, we're just going to take it standard out of the box. Okay, well, that's cool. But there are times where you can and there's times when you can't. Right. So you think that the implementation partner is like a mechanic and they're just not. They mm-hmm. actually have to understand what you want to need and they're, they're the best ones will be able to take that, go into the system, leverage what's there, and then just enhance those couple areas that are really unique to you. And they can also push back at times and say, no, wait, what do you mean it's not going to do what I want it to do? You can't afford that client. You're going to take it the way it is. Mm. But, but, but... Every executive who's on this call and who's listening to this will say like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the way it should work, right? And and you're right from your viewpoint, yeah. The problem isn't you. <laughs> the problem is the next level below you and the next level below them and the next level below mm-hmm. them who are people that are doing AP day in and day out. And they say, it's got to go this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got to do it, right? So, but, but do they really have to do it that way? And sometimes they don't know. And sometimes the developer who's down at that level, the implementation person, they don't know to question those things, right? Yeah. So that's why we say, if you're going to customize, um, the question to ask your people is, would you be willing to pay for this out of your own pocketbook? Mm. Sean, no, come on. That's pretty <laughs> drastic, right? Not really. Yeah. I mean, you really have to think about it from that aspect. And you also have to tell a developer, you can you can do whatever you do and you can build out whatever you think is right. But if it goes one step outside of the scope, you're paying for it. Yeah. 
And again, everybody has the right intentions in the sales, but it really comes down to, you know, kind of the implementation. So that's why your implementation partner is much more important than you think, but they're going to do less than you think. Um, but, you know, the good ones will be able to tell you that and work through that with you. Yeah. And I think lots of that comes back to even legacy technology, right? I think so many people are used to the old legacy systems where you customized yeah. everything. Yeah. And there's still some misconceptions surrounding that, I think, even that you think, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. And it's our job to have those hard conversations where we're like, no, it's not. It is. Unfortunately, it's not how right. it's supposed to be. Right. But, That's exactly right. Yeah, definitely. And I know you kind of talked about this already touched on it, but the misconception that people have time to do it. Mm. Oh my gosh. Dive a little deeper into that. Cause I think that's something that so many of our clients, so many people when I'm online, like monitoring all these trends, it's like people think that that's true and yeah. it's just not. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, I'm really trying to think of a way to say this without being on a soapbox again. <laughs> <laughs> I think people appreciate your transparency though. You just you just make me feel good when you say stuff like that, Rebecca. Thank you. I mean, people could give us some feedback. That might be helpful. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, you helped me so much. I think I want some feedback. I want some praise from people. I That's want that. Fair. If you're listening to this and it's helpful, please send me an email, sean at erpadvisorsgroup.com. I'm dead serious right now because we're going through a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. We're going through a lot of projects right now. And one of the biggest problems is exactly what you just yeah. said. The client personnel do not have the time required to do the project, mm -hmm. which relates back to that first thing I just said a little earlier. Do you think the implementation partner is going to do everything? That's impossible. Yeah. It is literally like going to the doctor and saying, okay, fix my broken knee. And then you go and have surgery and then you're done. And then you just go back to your normal life. It yeah. doesn't work that way. You have to take some responsibility for your mm -hmm. freaking knee or your freaking ERP. I'm watching my language. Um, <laughs> and you have to do your part. Now, the reality though, Rebecca, is... Nine out of 10 people don't, uh, I'm talking project sponsors, they don't realize what the time commitment is. Right. So it's not as if they're um, maliciously saying, hey, let's encumber the company with uh, a million or 500,000 or even more costs per year in software, even though I know my people don't have time to do their part. Yeah. That's not what happens no. at all. It's more... Yeah, you know, we got the soft like we we got the excitement for new software. Let's get the contract in place before people change their mind and we're just going to we're just going to make it go right. My my wife, if you ever really want to push a button with her, just say you guys cuz you guys work for her, you can say, "Don't worry, Erica, we'll just make it go right." And she'll oh, go, no. "Ah!" because that's like it's actually a misassignment of responsibility yeah. to just say, "Oh, I'll just handle it." Well, no, how are you going to handle it? I'm yeah. going to do this, this, and this. And then my wife goes, oh, I understand now. So yes. that's the fundamental problem is that people are required to do everything to, from participating in analysis meetings to uh, sitting in design sessions and talking about those detailed customizations that need to get right. done and are they correct or not. They've got to do walkthroughs of the configuration. They must test the app. They've got to prepare to do the training and even actually do the training for, for your yeah. users. You've got to look at the data migration. If the, the, the very least is when the data gets migrated, you have to look at that and make sure yeah. it's right in the new system. you got to figure out what the integrations are. Which banks do we have to talk to? I mean, we just talked about this a bunch. Then you ultimately have to make sure that all the stuff at Go, at Go Live goes right and that your people do the right thing. Yeah. There's a lot. Those yeah. are the eight milestones. No, definitely. And I think you can even speak to this. And like, I know for sure I can. Every time I think I have a grasp on it, like this is such complicated stuff. And I don't think people realize how complicated it is. Like even experts. Yeah. We're like, oh, we know what's going on. And then uh -huh. all of a sudden something changes and we're like, uh -huh. oh, now I have to relearn this or now I have to look at it again, which is our job. Yep. That's what we do day in and day out. But people don't necessarily realize the foundation that has to be built before even going into this. And that kind of leads us into our next question, which is when does go live prep actually start and mm. what kind of actions should a business consider as they plan for go live? Mm, it's a good question. And and it's definitely one of those times where I would say, hello, you want to listen to this. <laughs> so um, I'm almost curious to ask you what you think. What do you think about this one? When do you oh, think go goodness. live prep should start? Go live prep. Here's the thing. It, yes. Every business is unique and some of them have to start even earlier. That's and right. that's what I always caveat every time we have these discussions is everybody is different. Yep. And if you don't necessarily have the resources, you have to start even earlier. And lots of that work is laid down even in the needs analysis selection exactly. and what we do. It's not – there's phases. 
There's yep. the needs analysis, there's selection, you go into implementation, and even within implementation, there are phases. But if you're not laying the groundwork in those initial phases, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's right. So, so. even before somebody certainly is evaluating software, mm-hmm. they should figure out what they need, right? Yeah. Because then they know what they need so that when they're actually sitting down to the vendor with the implementation partner, and the implementation partner after six months of sales says, okay, so what do you need, right? Yeah. And and I mean the person who's responsible for your implementation, who is right. not the lead salesperson, the sales consultant. The I just We just talked to the head of sales for one of the software companies we're trying to close a deal. And he said, I'm going to be your project sponsor for all your projects. I'm like, this is amazing. But what that means to me is I can call him if his people aren't showing up and say, I need you to kick some people around because yeah. he's not going to do that. He can kick the people around, right? Which I don't want that. I want, I'd rather call him and say, your people are great. Yeah. Give him more praise, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it, you're right. It starts, it starts. If you, if you're thinking of doing an ERP change, you really do have to go with your needs right away. Yep. Right. And, and then when it gets more real that you've got the business case and everything that's flowing and people are like, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. We really do need to move forward. Let's now go to selection, mm-hmm. not implementation and spend all the money, but go to the market to actually yep. do a good job of due diligence of selecting. Then when you're in that selection phase and it's becoming, oh my gosh, more real, this solution actually is more than we need. And we like these implementation resources. We're really going to do this. It's really at that point that I would say, you know, go take a vacation. Literally. I mean, literally. We have one client. We just got through a really big selection. He's going to take his family to Patagonia. Yeah. Do you wear Patagonia jackets in Patagonia? I bet you do. can. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if it's hot or cold in Patagonia, but. I've never been there, so I I don't know. know. I don't know, but that's cool. (laughs) Take a vacation, a vacay. Take a holiday, do the, you know, whatever you want, however you vacation, but do it because yeah. when you come back, it's like go time. And like, like literally, if you're, if you, even before you sign the software contract, I would say clean your data, Yeah. start cleaning your data because here's the reality is when you start looking at your data, you're like, oh, it's going to be easy. I'll just go into the system or I'll have, you know, this person go into the system and they'll do it. Whoops. That person quits. <laughs> Or that person gets fired or that person's actually got a day job because that's what they're already doing. And they're like, uh, I don't have time to do that. Well, if you mm-hmm. don't, who does? So it takes a couple of weeks to even find the right resources to yeah. do this stuff. Then the resource starts doing it. And they're like, we have a problem. Okay, what's the problem? Well, we can't get to the data. What do you mean? I can run a report of all my vendors and it's right there. Well, that's true. But the way that the online SaaS solutions work, I can't go right to the database. I can do a download, mm-hmm. but I can't actually change the data in the system without going to these other screens and doing it. And it's going to take me a gazillion years. Guess what? Maybe there are some other tools you can do. Maybe you need to call an expert in your old system. Yeah. You know, we do this a lot for our clients. I don't know why. We're just nice people. Yeah. I We're mean, just we, nice people. we know. We know it's so hard. We have no choice but to help our clients. Yeah. But you might have to go find like an expert in Microsoft Dynamics, uh, Great Plains 2013, because that's what you run. I keep picking on that today. Um, who can go into your app and actually change a lot of data quickly mm-hmm. versus pulling up each vendor and then change and then pulling up each vendor and change. That can take a while to source that person. Now the person actually does the work. Guess that, Guess how long? That's two months that just went by on the most simple thing in data. Yeah. So much less things like RevRec schedules or projects. Oh my gosh. Project data migration is so difficult because, oh, well, we just need need to know how much we've actually billed versus what the budget was for this project. Really? Don't you need to know which resources are on it? Well, of course. Okay. Well, then we have to know what resources to put into the new system. Mm -hmm. Don't you want to know maybe what each individual billing was? Well, yeah. I mean, I just said that. No, you didn't. (laughs) <laughs> so now you need all the detailed invoices that have to line back to the project and the customer and EIEIO. And it's like big Lego, big Lego game. <laughs> it really is. And even <laughs> as you're talking about that, I mean, data is one part of it. And I've actually been diving a lot more into the implementation stuff so that I can be a better resource for our clients on the front end. But talking to Kaylee, who is incredible, oh, our implementation consultant, She's great, Carly, all of them, Angel. they super passionate about user acceptance testing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. use cases and those kind of things that aren't necessarily your implementation partner is not going to put those forth. They don't know your needs. And that's even going back to that, talking to them, they're documenting these use cases and what we might need to focus on once we're doing user acceptance testing. They're documenting that before the client even realizes they are, they're taking notes and they're realizing, Oh, 
the client just said that we're going to need to be able to do X, Y, Z once the accounting system is put into place and like payroll, they need to do this. Yep. And Kaylee and Carly, they're documenting these things exactly, so that when the client comes back around, once they're actually doing it, it's not this huge thing where we're like, well, shoot, now we have to sit back down and talk about all these cases that we're right. going to need to run through the system. And that's, that's right. just even another caveat, another very nuanced piece of implementation that I'm even learning is like, oh my goodness, I didn't even think about that. That's it. And something that your implementation partner is not going to do for you. There, I mean, it, so, so to break down what you just said, right? Because that was worth like $10,000. We should be billing your time to somebody. I don't know who, but you know, whenever you want me to start billing, I'm down. Okay. <laughs> no, I need you doing this. We got to keep uh, them separate. Cause otherwise it's like every, yeah, we need, this is great. True. Cause this kind of education, again, I, I always have to remind myself, even though I kind of go like, Oh, it's so hard. Like, you're going, these people are doing this anyway. So yeah. the more they know, the better. So to break down what you just said in the requirements analysis or even design sessions, it, it becomes like red, like indicators, all these signs come on area of the app that is really critical, unique business requirement, something that the vendor says, uh, well, we can't really do that, but we can do this. Mm -hmm. Those are really, really important things that pop up. Yeah. Things like, you know, how to run, um, your financial statements, do a close, uh, procure to pay, even the order cash. Like a lot of that stuff is pretty basic, but there's always things when you're in those requirements, design, even some walkthroughs, depending on how different vendors do it, that, that the subject matter experts kind of go, it's like that, the eye, I can't really raise my one eyebrow. Like, what did you just say? It works. How? That's not how the way we need it. Good. Guess what? You document that. That's like mm -hmm. you're saying, like Kaylee and our project coordinators, our, our implementation specialists, they're, they're trained to spot those things and go, bing, yeah. that needs to be a test case later yes. during testing. Mm -hmm. That's a unique requirement that when the, the vendors configure, we have to make sure it's getting met. And that's probably something we're going to have to train people on that's a yeah. little bit atypical. So you're exactly right that those little things are there. And it is during the implementation when those things pop up that you can, I think we even call it like a UBR list, unique mm -hmm. business requirements, or yes. there's some other phrase that we can use sometimes for those kinds of things, but you're right. Yeah. And even differentiating when it's not going to be something that needs to be worried about. And that's hard too. Yeah. And going back to clients wanting very unique very unique things in their system that they may not need. And our consultants are able to differentiate like, but that's probably not something you're going to need. And it's a hard conversation. Exactly. But yep. bef we could talk about this forever. So I'm going to no. start going into, yeah. we're trying to give them before, during and after. So going diving into like, we're in the thick of it. We're in the thick of it right now. How can you identify and confront, confront problems during, during the implementation? Well, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. So there's, there's a status note that we record every week and we capture key issues and we make sure that they're getting resolved. Mm -hmm. That's like the academic answer. Yeah. That's the PMI answer, the project management institute answer. You must track your issues and ensure that you're resolving them. Good. Now, how do you really do it? Right? That's what we're all about. Mm -hmm. And here's the truth is that if, um, you, and whenever I say you in these calls and these meetings, I'm really referring to the project sponsor, yeah. to the lucky or unlucky soul who decides, let's go do this. Yippee mm -hmm. yay, right? And then they have to get the owners, the board, the top level executives, whoever controls the purse strings to agree to spend the money on all this stuff, yeah. right? There's usually some soul that goes out there. Hopefully they're not a martyr or sainted later from whatever happens to them. Yes. If it goes well, they're sainted. Yeah. If it doesn't go well, they're, yeah. Mar anyway, we're not going to go project there. project sponsors. We appreciate them. <laughs> exactly. Because they're usually the ones who hire us, frankly. Yep. We love those guys. We'll do anything for them. Yes. But you have to make sure that you are, or somebody on your team is communicating with the leads from every single group internally and externally, and that they have such a good relationship. Mm -hmm. It's almost like water cooler talk. Like, oh, hey, you know, you're in that design, and I know that was that design meeting, and I know that um, report that um, uh, sales really needed was kind of complex. And mm -hmm. how do you really think that's going to go, CRM developer? Oh, man. 
it's going to be a bear. Do you think it's going to be like 500 hours? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you writing. really have to, this is something, again, I always try to find unique things to say for people. And I mean, you have to listen to all these calls to get the whole library, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've never said this, but I'm about to say right now. So I, yeah, this is good. Listen up. Please be friendly. The yeah. friendly you, friendlier you are with your internal team leads and the friendly, friendlier you are with your external team leads, the more willing they are to communicate to yes. you, the more willing they are to share what's really happening. We have a client right now. I can say all this and I don't think anybody's going to guess which one it is. So I'm going to say it where we do an executive meeting every week, but this particular executive from the client side, he's the executive sponsor. He's not the project sponsor. He's the executive sponsor. Mm-hmm. The project sponsor works for the executive sponsor. Yes. He is a very volatile person. Mm. So we don't talk about issues in that meeting yeah. that aren't already addressed outside of the meeting. So we can get the volatility out of the way. Mm-hmm. So then we can actually talk about resolutions Yes, and it's kind of a waste of a meeting. Yeah. Versus, you know, having an environment where, and this isn't like, you know, froofy stuff. I mean, this is for real where people can say, I know this is a problem and I need help solving this. I don't know what to do. Let's get on it. Yeah. Right. So I would say it's a, it's a, it's a new shiny nugget, (laughs) which is please be friendly to your internal SMEs, your external implementation partners. And, and so many things will come up during the project, all those issues, because this is the thing. The issues are there. Yeah. And when you don't really, I, I will even, I should say it this way, that, that really a risk is what becomes an issue. So identifying the risks, solving, mitigating the risk, then you prevent the issue, right? A, a, an issue is a risk. It's, it's not a risk. It's happening now. It's mm-hmm. an issue. It's happening now. Everybody knows about potential risks. Yeah. They do. They just do. Specific people know about risks in their area. And so you have all these people in all their areas. So they all know. That's why I say everybody. So if, if we can mitigate those risks, we know about those risks, we can mitigate the risks and we don't have issues. Yeah. So the only way that happens is clean, clear, beautiful communication yeah. where there's a lot of affinity between the different people. There's a lot of agreement that we're all on the same page and the communication flows. We understand what's going on. Like for the first time, we actually under, oh, I see why the data migrations. We just, uh, I gave this example earlier. I got to think of some other example. I, I'm going to give you one that's, that is you're asking that last question. It's literally going through my mind. I, I can build them because you were solving it for them, but not really. I wouldn't do that. I think about it, but I wouldn't. We joke, but <laughs> we, we do. Wouldn't. We do. That the problem we're having in the middle of this implementation right now is when the salespeople sold this project, we knew that this software solution, we're bringing it to a smaller client, more agile client than who they normally implement for. And the sales team and the the, uh, professional services directors and leadership said, we can do this. And we're willing to put up money to make sure this goes right. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell their lead architect, this is the approach. So the lead architect is implementing as if we're a $10 billion company and we're a $100 million startup, basically. Yeah. Well-funded, it's all good. But that one person's view is so different than everybody else's that he didn't get the message. He didn't get the yeah. memo. Hey, you know, this is more of an agile implementation, best practices out of the box, go, go, go. And that's not the approach. And so the, there's a major communication breakdown. And I think, I was just thinking about this, that... So, so we're going to have to, I just spotted this even just a few minutes ago after our last call. See, it's beneficial for me yeah. to be able to say to this person, I need you to agree that you, I need to, I need you to confirm, can you do this other approach or not? Right. Cause he basically said, oh no, you need to go get a censure for that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that we don't have a couple million dollars, even a couple hundreds of thousands of dollars laying around to bring in folks like that. Yeah. So I really mean that, that the communication and understanding is what it's all built on. It seems so obvious, but when you have that in and you have friendliness and you have the agreement on what you're trying to do, there you go. Yeah, definitely. And we can dive a little bit more into this. And I think we've already talked about it, the communication, being willing to talk to those people. But from a project sponsor 
standpoint, what else can they expect as they're getting ready to go live with their new software? Mm. And who's really driving the plan, the tasks, mm. the outcomes, all of that that goes into it. So we've done all that normal stuff. Well, the regular stuff through, I'm not even going to go through it all, but so we've <laughs> tested, yay, we're ready to go. Now we're doing training. Now we're ready to prepare for go live. Mm -hmm. So you, you, again, you got to go back to the mechanic, um, analogy that, that the implementation partner will take care of the system, right? right. They'll make sure it's ready. It's configured. Hopefully. Okay. That's another concern you have to look out for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to do the eye roll now. Oh, it's like oh. the zombie look of things to look out for. They got to clean out the production system. They got to make sure the production system has the most recent version of the development code. Yeah. And that seems so simple, except they've been developing and testing over in the sandbox or in the mm. development environment. Oh, it's no problem. We'll move it over. How do you move it over? We manually move stuff. We have to recode. Like you have to rebuild your scripts. You have to rebuild all your form changes and everything else. Oh, no, no. Some apps, you can bundle those changes and then push it over. Okay. But that's not a lot of them. Even, even, those, even those that you can do some automation of moving over the development, they still don't do everything. Mm -hmm. So you want your development team, your implementation partner to really focus on ensuring that the environment is ready to go. Right. Yep. So then who worries about when you turn off the switch on the old system or uh, how do we get new data? You know, cause we did all the testing and we call them, um, we call them dress rehearsals yep. where it's like, Hey, let's, let's do a dress rehearsal for go live three months before so we can figure out what's wrong. But so we got all this data in for the last you know, six months of the project, but in month seven, we still have more data. You know, you're going to have to do that client. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to make sure that your people are really ready on day one to go. You're going to have to make sure that your people review the data that's in the system before we go live to make sure it's correct. Mm -hmm. So again, it's a, it's a misconception that the implementation partner is going to take care of everything. You know, Oh, here's the mechanic. Here's the keys to your car. It's ready to go. See you later. Sit down and drive off. It's not like that. It's like you need to go in and look to make sure, did they put the right engine in? Um, does the steering wheel work? What happens if I hit the brake? Uh, when I hit the brake, the car goes. What's going on here? You know, oh, geez, we forgot to move that workflow that we configured in development over to production. So that's why when we do the AP approval routing, it doesn't work because that custom workflow we had to build for you was over there and we didn't move it over. Why didn't you move it over? I don't know. Yeah. So you, you're, there is a lot of responsibility you have to take when you're getting ready for, for cutover, for sure. Definitely. And the, wait, the one last thing I will yes. say too, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you are fine. The other thing you need to do, again, this is another nugget, kind of funny, but you really do need to look at your internal team and assess the readiness. And, you know, I, I mean, I kid about the margarita machines and the taco trucks and the, you know, we always send some kind of like, I don't even know if it's what kind of like a, you know, hallelujah basket or something at go live. Like here, this is for food for, to, to help you with go live. But you really do need to look at your people and say, what do they need here? Maybe you need a developer to come on site and just sit with your people for the last several weeks to make sure everything yeah. gets done. Or, you know, maybe you need to send them all home. And um, so they're not getting bo bothered by other projects or whatever, but you got to look at your people and assess where they're at and determine, you know, are they really ready for this? or not. And of course, one last thing, when do most projects go live around holidays, mm. the end of the year, July 4th, you know, uh, like, Oh, I need to do it at the end of a quarter or it's, you know, the end of the, um, you know, mid year, or I need to do it at the end of the year, you know, during COVID and after COVID those years after that, we wouldn't touch an end of year go live because people were so burnt out and so stressed. That's like, I'm going to spend time with my family. Yeah. F this ERP. I'm done. I don't want to think about it, you know? So you that's why. See, I caught myself there. Um, that's why you really do have to look at what's what's real for your people. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, with that, you answered my next question, which was how to support oh. the SMEs. So we can yeah. go on to the next one. Sure. But um, what kinds of fires can happen during cutover? And what are some contingent actions to help put out those fires? So you can have a dumpster fire. You can have a trash can yeah. fire. You can have like a building fire. Yeah. <laughs> so there's degrees, degrees of fires. Exactly. So we'll say the low, medium, high fires. And it's good because when I, when I describe these, I think you'll be able to extrapolate how other things can happen. Yeah. We'll start with a low one. So the low one is, oh my gosh, um, a key user is not trained in the system. Mm. 
no problem. We have training materials. Hopefully we have videos. Hopefully we have somebody internally, hopefully who knows and can go and work with that person so that they're ready to go. Or maybe even that department. Maybe it's a department that needs some training. And that's not always the implementation partner. No, Just it's throwing not. that in there. Absolutely not. No, you, you really want it to be more your people, mm-hmm. frankly. That's kind of a small fire. Somebody was, they were sick or they were working on a big project when testing or training was happening. And so they missed that part of it. Fine. No, we can, you can handle that one. Mm. Um, it may seem like that person says, don't, don't switch the, the, or don't flip the switch because I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. We'll handle you. We'll flip the switch. We'll move on. The next degree is sort of like the, uh, these are the dumpster fires. That was the trash can fire. It's the dumpster fire. Um, the dumpster fires are things like, um, Oh yeah. Uh, we didn't test that function and now at go live, it doesn't work. Mm. So you know how we're supposed to pull uh, bank transactions down for financials, for bank recons in the systems. Well, the integration doesn't work. Good. Why doesn't it work? Cause we didn't know about, we needed that integration. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk to the bank. That's right. We didn't talk to the <laughs> bank. Well, let's call the bank. Let's get it done. Let's go. We'll have it done tomorrow. Uh, you won't get a call back from the bank for it sometimes two to three weeks yeah. on the right person because you call your bank rep and then your bank rep calls the IT department, the internal technical services department at the bank who then determines who's available. That person, you know, is like, okay, good. I'll give them a call back on Monday. Up, oh, they get sick. Up, oh, they quit. They, whatever they do. Right. Then the next person, the next person, then literally. So that's a medium level. And, and a lot of those medium level issues are sort of solvable by doing the things earlier yeah. that we should have done. But, but again, the, well, I'll wait till I do the, the, the building fire issues. Um, so the building fire issues and it's, these are issues when they occur that people get fired. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I mean, that's the worst, that's the worst of the worst of the worst. I hate that. I hate that. I just shouldn't happen. But, but what can happen? An example of that is you do go live and oh my gosh, the whole customer service team can't enter orders into the system. Oh my gosh, we're a e-com consumer goods company and the integration from Shopify or Big Commerce or Magento into the ERP doesn't work for order fulfillment. And it's not just something small, it's something big. Yeah. We didn't know something, right? Um, another example could be uh, like in an HR system that, you know, uh, open enrollment doesn't work and we have a thousand employees and we need to get their benefits elections in the next two weeks mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. Those are pretty material. Those, those do go back to a person who failed to do something obvious. Yeah. Now here's the thing is you do always have to ask the why, right? I, I believe that 80% of the people out there are phenomenal. Another, I don't know, 15% or so that are Okay, but they're being kind of uh, mm-hmm. whacked out by, by by the really really bad people, right? Most of our clients have really good teams. They have good people on their team. So how could they miss something so obvious that would lead to the building fire? Well, maybe they just didn't know any better. Um, maybe they're you know they decided to buy uh, four more um, solar projects. <laughs> Um, when they should be focused on, you know, doing their ERP right mm-hmm. now, but, oh, we've got to do this and we got to do that. Or, you know, they acquire companies, they, they let go of companies, they, all kinds of things happen. So there's consequences to those, those actions. When you're in, in, in the middle of an ERP implementation, there's consequences to resources that are out doing other stuff. If they're supposed to be focused on your project, but then they need to focus on something else. There's consequences to the project. So just know that. And you might, you might have to change your schedule. You know, again, hopefully you're friendly with your implementation partner where you can talk through, Hey, are you guys even available two months from now? Uh, no. What do you mean you're not available? What about I, but my project push. Okay. But what, you know, if you're doing like a construction job and your house is supposed to be done, they're selling time for those next couple months to stay busy. Right. So Anyway, the whole thing comes down to those are just levels of fire, degrees of fire. Know that there's usually things, earlier indicators that you can find. I I, I think that's obvious, but I guess that all just goes back to that key thing about really being in communication with the people around you. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, you need to be somebody who can, who is a confidant that they can come to and be like, we, I pulled a clip. Um, Will helped me pull a clip from Curtis who's one of our oh, principal yeah. consultants. And he was talking about how he has to be somebody that 
yeah, he jokes and people are super comfortable with him and they come to him when things happen so that he can be a bulldog in those situations where he needs to be. And if people aren't willing to come to you and he doesn't know what's going on, he can't solve those problems. That's right. So. That's exactly right. All right. So we got through cutover. Oh, thank goodness. We're there. Did we go live? We went live. Oh, yes. Are we real live? No fires? We're real live. Yes. We've handled the fires. Oh, yeah. I just got to relax and enjoy that. For a second. Just in my imagination. Okay, good. I'm ready. But Oof. now at this point, what benefits should Ooh. clients look forward to once their system is live? Love that. So, yeah. So they survived the go live. Very well done. Um, so <laughs> uh, I guess I burst the bubble a little more. Uh, probably half the benefits you expected. Yeah. <laughs> but but you get you get half more benefits that you didn't expect. Mm -hmm. So you get the full benefits? <laughs> I sound like a spouse trying to justify their actions. Yeah. But it's kind of like, <laughs> what's wrong with me, honey? I'm great in these areas. Okay, that's fine. But those areas, I really need you. Great. Yeah. But seriously, when, when companies, nonprofits, government agencies, you know, put in new software, they and they do it right, like you said. We've gone live. Their data is finally structured. Mm -hmm. They can do reports that they could never do before, guaranteed. They can do automation, um, even something that seems like it's it's so obvious of uh, procure to pay. So many of our clients get so many benefits on that one process because they are still doing stuff manually. Or mm -hmm. oh, we use Bill dot com and. There, you know, we don't have to do that. Okay, fine. Not you. <laughs> but there are other clients that um, invoicing and just these basic things that they're doing at these systems solve. Mm -hmm. Now, does it solve your exactly how you're doing your deferred revenue and your, your revenue cascade sheet exactly perfect, precisely? Probably not. Mm. But we're doing it in a system now. So can we continue to tweak and tweak? So at least it's there instead of the spreadsheet that your senior accountant was doing who also quit. Mm. Now all of a sudden we have all this stuff in our system. Now all of a sudden we have internal controls, segregation of duty. We have multiple eyes on really key processes. You know, we have our, our new business lines are supported in a new software as whereas before they were in Excel, right? I mean, there's, there's some pretty good things that, yeah. that you're going to get from this. And so get those benefits, enjoy those benefits, take a vacation, um, it just like sit with the system for a while, Yeah. but that's just where the, bu the bubble burst comes in. You are going to need to continue to do more enhancements. I'm thinking of a client right now where they had a, a system in place for 15 years and at go live, they didn't get everything they wanted. Mm -hmm. That's because it didn't take 15 years to implement it. Right. right. Um, Literally. So then, you know, you are going to have, that's called your phase one. There are going to be additional phases of, of releases of new software functionality that you're going to probably need to do to maybe automate some of the things you did before. But remember, you got new things that you didn't have mm -hmm. before, but maybe you do need to continue to enhance and enhance and enhance every year. And it can be exhausting. And a lot of organizations like, I'm just done. Like, I got to go back to my day job. Well, then whose job is it to you know, maintain the software. And again, a lot of people like us say, you got to have, you know, somebody who's in there supporting your software every year. And okay, like the owner just hears cha-ching, 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 hundreds of thousands of dollars. Maybe you don't need a, a full-time person who's wicked smart at your system, who's $150,000 plus crazy benefits and everything else. But work with your implementation partner then who can come yeah. in and give you some incremental benefits, incremental changes that lead to monumental benefits. That's what we want to see. Definitely. And I mean, I can even, we're going to roll into the next question here, but I can even think of a couple clients who are prime examples of what we're going to talk about next, which is expectations mm. and kind of something you're already diving into where we were able to talk to them after the fact. And they were like, yeah, like the system's not doing everything, but we don't know what we don't know until suddenly we're rolling with it. And we have a couple clients who keep coming back to us because they're adding new modules or adding mm -hmm. new things and they want to make sure that they're doing it correctly. And they're shining examples of people who had their expectations set where they were supposed to. And now they're not disappointed in the system and they're not disappointed as they continue to have these enhancements because they knew the reality of it. And so that being said, what role do expectations play when interpreting what success looks like post go live? Well, like you said, I, I think sometimes you don't even know it's successful until you're actually in it and you get past the, uh, I think, um, um, I mean, I'm not an expert in child delivery by any means, but I believe there is a hormone called forgetting. 
Hmm. And and it uh, and maybe that's just a uh, old literally uh, nurse wives. There was a person in my I life see. who was in that industry who said something about that. That's the source. Anyway, once you forget how painful the actual implementation was, and people start using the system, and they start saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, it's good. It's great. Yeah, it works. It's good." You know, you you can start to see. Um, you know, the benefits that you expect at the beginning should start to come out, you know, analytics and reporting and automation and reduction in manual work and all that stuff should definitely be there. But like we said, you know, you might need to do that last 5% of tweaking that an implementation partner, a good one who helped you through the go live should be willing to help you post go live. You might get a different team, frankly, but if there's still good people, they're going to do a good job for you. But the benefits are definitely there. Yeah, definitely. And what should clients expect their journey to look like following cutover? Is there um, a timeline? Is there something question. like that I should be expecting or is it really case by case? Um, I think generally um, it, there is a, a life cycle, mm-hmm. right? I don't think a lot of people realize this, that again, they just buy the car and what do I do to the car? I mean, some people like to soup up a car or whatever. Very few do. But that's not how it works with ERP. You yeah. you you implement ERP, and then you will increase your investment in it as you get to as it as it sort of as you mold it more towards your business. Yeah. So, like you mentioned, a client of ours who we're doing, I think, a CRM selection mm-hmm. for their ERP has a CRM, but they're not sure if it's the right one. They've used other stuff before. They're using something else. And they're, they're sort of blending or, or mending or, I don't know, adapting the solution to their business based on how their business is flowing today. They're a very different business today than they were before. They got yeah. bought by PE. They're going to be a platform. They're going to have other companies rolled on top of them, on top of the software. And that's yeah. why CRM matters. So, you know, post, post go live, post the hyper care, you know, once you sort of get through and get settled in your system, there's just, there is more to do. And, and I would say, Uh, what's the percentage? Uh, I would say seven out of 10 companies that we work with, right, are fairly sophisticated. That's why they hire us. They've got a pretty good investment in their systems. They may have spent, I don't know, a quarter million on the low end, maybe half a million or more. Mm -hmm. That if you do get a person in whose hat is to optimize the system, it's beneficial. Right. It really is beneficial. But again, you can rely on your implementation partner to do that too. But I would say six months after go live to 12 months, you probably are going to do another release. I do think that's general. But I do think specifics, uh, we have one client is in a a very legacy industry, uh, very legacy, and there's an opportunity to digitize Uber it, right? Not (laughs) Uber with with taxis, but basically steal distribution. There's uh, there's major opportunities to automate that, that industry. And, you know, they knew that. And so they have a leader who's sort of, who's got time and can focus on continuing to increase the investment um, in the solution. In other words, spending to get enhancements, but the benefits they're getting are monumental. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the last thing I would say here is the ROI calculation on an ERP works a certain way. We were literally just running one for an engineering company we're working with. And it goes back to labor savings, right? We have 200 people that are doing this today. If we use the ERP, we can reduce time um, for all of them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, on these different tasks, or we mm-hmm. can increase utilization of our people, our, our professionals. And you can come up with some pretty big numbers, the bigger, this is a thousand person firm. So you can come up with some pretty big numbers. That's how you basically do the ROI there. That's the benefit side. The cost side, of course, you have to estimate the cost. Mm-hmm. But now when you go into post go live, post you're in the system, the ROI is just different. Like for this company that we're talking to about a new CRM system, it's not as if there's going to be like a clear benefit of we're going to deliver more sales because of CRM. That's really not true. Yeah, It's just not. I don't care how many times Salesforce or whoever says that. Yeah, if you have a little more visibility and your pipeline is crap today and now you can see it and your managers can push you harder, maybe there's some you can squeeze out of it. But it's almost just more like the right thing to do to support growth in the future. So the ROI is a little more nebulous, but it is more around like, hey, you know, it's $50,000. Well, for this example, it's going to be more than that. Say it's $100,000. They don't have a huge sales force. The software is not going to be that expensive. The implementation is going to be pretty straightforward. 
but over multiple years now we have we we can increase and improve the efficiency the quality um these intrinsic value things that are there so yeah. what i'm trying to say is the roi might not be like we can do it in a spreadsheet you know mm-hmm. it's more like what happens if we don't do this or what happens if our key people leave and it's in their minds and they could have put it in the system um there's 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 risks that also come into play that may drive that phase two, phase three, phase four, um, going back to the steel distributors, you know, putting in EDI and doing the integration with their, their vendors. Does it really provide a lot of reduced costs? I mean, there's some, cause now we don't have to rely on as many emails, but what's the benefit of being able to quickly make changes and quickly price and make better decisions right. that could be pretty significant. Yeah. And I mean, what are the risks of your key people leaving because you didn't? Oh, don't even talk about that. Oh yeah. There's huge Are risk you, with that. You're not telling me we need a new marketing, marketing automation. No, system. no, no. And absolutely staying, not. Right? <laughs> we are here. We're here to stay, we'll but <laughs> there, that's always a factor too. Big time. That people don't, I go back to the HCM discussion we had this summer where, wow, like people can't always justify getting a new HCM solution in those later phases, especially initially when they're right. trying to change over their ERP. But what happens when you're, chief human resources officer decides I hate using the system that we're in and they don't really care about helping me get more value out of my job. So that's also a factor. And they leave update on that project. I happened to talk to our sponsor. They did buy an HCM solution later because they realized that they needed to, but, and just kind of wrap this up. We're kind of coming to the end of our time, but we still have a little bit. Are there any must do's after you have successfully transferred or transitioned to your new system? Pay your people who were involved in the project more, (laughs) like give them a bonus, you know, publicly recognize them, uh, give them some extra time off. Like you got to take care of your people after these projects for sure. But, but I also think on more of a practical level, um, use the, uh, watch my language. Okay. Use the gosh darn system, please. Yes. Don't just implement it. And then it just sits there. And I've seen this life cycle over and over and over where, the new team, it's usually somebody new who drives these new ERP implementations. It's so funny. Anyway, so they they go, they implement the whole thing and they're they're going on it. It's great. And then maybe somebody leaves the company or somebody gets promoted and another person gets here. So then you've got sort of this next generation of people that are working with the system that don't know it as well as the other people. So you've got to pass your hat. You, yeah. When you go through the implementation, you learn so much about the software. You've got to make sure other people in your organization know what the software can do, but also the new people coming in. So make sure that you're continuing that knowledge you know, in perpetuity so that lots of other people behind, besides you, but who come in behind you, um, can use the system and benefit from it as well. Yeah. And that's just good career advice in it general. Is, isn't it? <laughs> but- that's right. Um, I'm not sure if there are any questions. I'm just going to check in really fast with our man behind the camera to see if there's anything. Good. Awesome. Are there, is there anything else you would like to leave our audience with today? Um, man, I feel like it's been the best of times and the worst of times today. Right. We've gone through the worst projects. We've gone through some of the best projects, implementations. Um, and I, I think the last thing I would say is, you really can do this right. The the mm-hmm. tech of implementing an ERP is known. We've just that last CPE we did with those eight milestones, like that gives you a framework that you can hang all this data off of. And when you do what, right. Super beneficial for sure. Um, it can be done. It, it apps and it is being done. And there's lots of people doing it without our help. There, yeah. there are successful implementations out there for sure. But the thing about it is, if if you don't know what you're getting into, you will fail. I guarantee that. But if you know and you go in with your eyes wide open, you know what to look for, you know, kind of trust your intuition, have those open communication lines with the key people, um, tell your developers that they're not, if they're going to develop something, they can do whatever they want, but they're going to pay for it, you know, yeah. and tell your people, oh, sure, we can do customizations, but you're going to be willing to fund it. Right. No, I'm, oh, I'm just kidding. Huh? No, like for real, like, would you take this out of your paycheck to get this? Cause it's, it's going to help you that much. Yeah. You know, I probably would. First off, that's an employee that you want to cherish forever. Yeah, exactly. But like that is the level of commitment that 
you know, you need to have people be willing to make to justify these customizations of big science experiments sometimes. But if you're really aware of all this stuff, you'll, you'll be successful. It, it can be done for sure. I mean, my, my contact information is way out there. My, yes. my cell phone's out there. Please don't send me weird stuff. I get enough of that. Um, <laughs> I'll just block you. Um, but I mean, if you guys need help, anybody out there that's going through this, if you're running on your treadmill right now, you're swimming with your uh, water uh, repellent AirPods, hopefully not getting electrocuted <laughs> listening to this or whatever it is, uh, we're here to help. Definitely. And this having this conversation, we have some great downloads for each phase that we talked about before, during and after. So if any of you watching this are like, I really need more on post go live, or I really need more on just preparing for my implementation, please do reach out to me as well. I can share those with you um, really quickly and really easily. And that would be at Rebecca at erpadvisorsgroup.com. Sean at erpadvisorsgroup.com. We're both available at any point in time. So thank you so much, Sean. Again, no, you're for welcome. joining me for this conversation. Thank you for the great questions and putting of it course. together too, Rebecca. It's a lot of work that you and Nick and I think Will's doing a little bit yes. too, but you guys especially are putting a lot of work into these. So thank you guys. Because it really is, we're not, yeah, I mean, it's good, good promotion and marketing for us, but it really is for the people that are listening to this. So I really thank you both for all you do. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, during one of our other conversations, this is really our way that we can give back to some of these clients that we don't we don't interact with you guys every day. So this is really a way for us to make a difference. That's right. And so I appreciate that. And I appreciate that all that goes into this. And thank you. I'll say thank you to Nick, too, who's sitting behind the camera. But <laughs> thank you again, everyone, for joining us for today's webinar. Please let us know if you have any questions that we can answer um, that weren't answered on this call, and we're happy to help in any way that we can. Uh, be sure to join us on Wednesday, January 10th for our next webinar. That's going to be ERP Trends and Predictions Part 1, and that's going to be a year in review. Thanks. And then we are going to have our ERP Trends and Predictions Part 2, which is going to be us actually making our predictions for the new year. Should be a lot of really great content. It's going to be you and me again, Sean. I'll Let's be able to it. bring in some of my ERP Minute yes. knowledge. Um, I think and I'm going to be interviewing you. Oh, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's going to be a lot of great stuff. And we're going to be highlighting. In the first one, we're going to be highlighting the past year of ERP by evaluating evaluating the major headlines for the year for those of you who have been tuning into the RP Minute market trends and exciting innovations that emerged in 2023. So please go to our website, erpadvisorsgroup.com for more details and to register. And ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software advisory firms. ERP Advisors Group advises mid to large size businesses on selecting and implementing business applications from enterprise resource planning, customer relationship management, human capital management, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equate to millions of dollars in software for deals each year across many industries. This has been the ERP Advisor. Thank you again for joining us. Bye.